years ago that we did a, a, a survey of the, uh, of the congregation and said, what's the biggest thing you're dealing with? The number two thing was, uh, was, was finances. That's what you said you were struggling with the most. And then uh, a couple of months ago, a few months ago, we did another survey. And uh, the number two thing, once again, we, said, we asked the question and said, uh, where do you need a breakthrough in your life? And the number one, uh, the number two thing was finances, once again. Uh, the number one thing, which we're going to take a look at in January, is, is in the area of busyness and stress. I know nobody here can relate to that, but that's something that we're going to be uh, taking a look at there. But, you know, obviously finances in that area uh, is, is really important to us. But something you may not know is that it's really, really important to God as, uh, as well. Do you know Jesus talked more about finances and, and, and material possessions and things than he did about, about prayer and about heaven and about faith combined? Uh, did you know that, uh, that 16 of, of uh, Jesus' 38 parables dealt with, uh, with, with finances? Uh, did you know that one-third of all his, uh, all his sermons and everything dealt with, uh, with that, that topic? In other words, if Jesus was your, your pastor, there's a good chance that he would preach 17 times a year in the area of finances. Now, we understand why finances would be important to us. Why in the world would the God who owns everything, why would the topic of finances be important to, to him? It's because finances, we're, what we do with our finances shows hugely where our priorities are and where our affections uh, are and where our trust lies and, and, and things like that. So it's really important. You see that, that that's so important to our faith. What we do with our finances says a ton about, uh, about us. And, and, you know, last... Um, uh, last week we started, uh, we did a series or uh, started something on, on generosity. We saw the genius of generosity. And we said this, the generosity is genius because it, it, it's a win-win-win. Uh, other people win, we win, God wins. And we said that, that God does uh, amazing things in a generous person, that, that, he, that there's a joy that brings with generosity. We also said that, you know, we become more like God because God is an amazingly generous God. We also said that, that uh, great things happen through generous people. Because uh, that, that people's lives are affected. Uh, and the world is a better place when people are, are generous. But also great things happen uh, in, to generous people as, as well. In, through, and, and to. That God has this way of blessing people who are, are generous in, a, uh, in a, a big way. And today we're going to take a look at one lady who is like, to me, the poster child of generosity in the, in the Bible. She's amazing. We're going to take a look at two ladies. Both of them heroes of my faith. One of them we know the name of. Of this person. Her name is Mary. This is not Jesus' mother, Mary. This is uh, Lazarus's sister named, named Mary. We're going to take a look at another lady who we don't know her name. We know her life situation, and her life situation is she is a widow, and she's a single mom raising a young boy, and she's in the middle of a famine. We're going to take a look. One is an incredible uh, illustration of the heart, and the other is an incredible illustration of, uh, of faith. So if you have your Bible, turn to John chapter chapter 12, have your computer, whatever it is, smartphone, go to John chapter 12. And this is, um, this story contrasts her heart with somebody else's heart, and we'll see that in a second. Six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany where Lazarus lived. 
whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here was a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, really expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and washed his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of that perfume. Can you imagine the, the smell of that? But one of his disciples, you're never going to figure out who, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to, to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And as keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in there. It's a tale of two hearts. And the first one is Mary. And what a, what a wonderful lady. I mean, here's just a generosity just exploding after her. Yeah, uh, here's the picture. You have, you have uh, Mary looking at this scene. Did you see Jesus next to her brother who Jesus is raised from the dead? And you're, you're, she's looking at both of these people. And suddenly, it just seems like she is overcome with gratitude towards Jesus. And she takes a jar of extremely expensive perfume. I mean, there's expensive perfume out there, but I've never seen ex- perfume that is worth a year's wages. That's how, that's how much. And she pours it. She lavishes it on, on, on Jesus. And what do you think about her heart? I mean, when you look at that heart, when you look at that, what do you think about Mary? I mean, isn't that just a lady that you just want to go, man, that is, um, give me that kind of, uh, of gratitude. Give me that kind of generosity. Uh, and, and so, uh, and I know with, you know, I can say with confidence that Mary loved Jesus powerfully. How can I say that with such confidence is because we know something. We know that where, wherever our, our heart is, that's where our money's going to be as well. A young man who's, who's infatuated with a young woman, he'll give money that he didn't have to buy her, her things. If you love a, a hobby, if you're really involved and that's your passion is a hobby or something, you will find your money will be going to, to that. If there's a cause that you are passionate about, your money will be flowing that area. Wherever your heart is, there your money is, is going to, to be as, uh, as well. But Jesus also said the reverse of that. He said, wherever your, your, your money is, your heart's going to be also. He said, in other words, just like, just like if we have a, a, a compass, it's always going to face a magnetic north. And in the same way, our, our, our money, I mean, wherever our, our money is, that's where our heart is going to, to, be as, to be as well. That is why Satan will do everything he possibly can to keep you from giving to God's kingdom or to giving to, to God's church or to giving to, uh, to, to make a difference in missions around the world. That's why he, the last thing he wants you to do is give to that. Because what? He knows, he knows if you give to your heart's going to be there. You're going to be passionate about God's kingdom if your money's if your money's there. And the same thing too is is if you want your if you want your heart to be in God's kingdom. If you're going, you know what? I just don't care about God's kingdom the way I should. Then put your money there and watch what happens. And maybe you're looking around and say, I don't care. It just seems like I don't have that passion that other people have that I'm around with that. Maybe it's because their money's there and yours is not. Because your money will always follow your heart, and your heart will always follow your uh, your money. Now let's take a look at somebody else. Let's take. A look at at Judas and talk about a contrast where she is so generous, he is so amazingly stingy. And, and what do you think about when you, when you uh, heard that he used to take from the money that was given to Jesus for ministry? What do you think, I mean, what do you feel about him that he, that he grabbed money from that? You talk about guts, right? You talk about man's, I mean, that is, but let me ask you this question. Oh, and then the word, what is the word that's used for him in there? The word thief. 
And that's about as powerful a word as you can have in the English language. And you say, you call somebody a thief, you better be ready to fight because that's about as strong a word as you can possibly say. But, but let me ask you this. Let's get real to where you and I live. Is there any difference between taking money that, 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 that people had put in there for, for Jesus and stealing that out of there, taking it out of there, or withholding money from what is supposed to be in there and we don't give that? Because according to the word of God, God sees it as the exact same thing. Listen to, uh, to Malachi 3. It says this, will a person rob God, yet you rob me? I don't know about you, that would get my attention. But you ask, how, will we, how do you, we rob you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse because you are robbing me. Now, what does it mean by tithe? I, I, I don't assume that everybody in here knows because we have a lot of brand new believers. We have a lot of people who are, who are, are new to, to, uh, to walking with Jesus. And it, it means that we give the first 10% of whatever we make to, to God. It's a biblical principle. Le- Leviticus 27, uh, 30 says, a tithe of everything belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. Malachi 3.10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Notice what it says, who the tithe belongs to. It says it belongs to the Lord. It does not belong to us. It belongs to the Lord. That's why we bring the tithe. We bring something that belongs to somebody else. We give something that belongs to, 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 to us. And in other words, th- now this is important. In other words, if it belongs to him already and we're just giving back what, what, what he, what, what's his, what God is doing is he's not asking for 10% of our money. He's letting us keep 90% of his money. That's a whole different thing. That's the heart of the generous God that we, that we have. And David understood this. He said, everything, God, everything I have comes from your hand and it all belongs to you. And we go, wait, 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 wait a second. Now, I'm the one that, that worked for it. I'm the one that had that job and worked for it and give my blood, sweat, and tears to make that. And we say, well, who, who, who gave you life? Who gave you that opportunity in that job? Who gave you your lung, your, the breath in your lungs that you have that, that the ability to, uh, to do that job? Everything we have comes from, from God. And it reminded me back of, this is a true story that I, that I wrote in my, in my book. There was a time that I, I took my kids to McDonald's and I had just eaten something, but, so I didn't I order anything. But I'm, man, I'm looking at their French fries. <laughs> and I'm smelling those French fries and, and, and man, they are looking good. And I, so I say to my kids, hey, can I, can I have some of your French fries? And they said, no. And, I'm like, and I look, what do you mean no? And they said, I still remember, as in the opposite of yes, daddy. And I'm like, I look and said, wait a second, I gave you those french fries. You wouldn't have french fries. You would have no french fries if I had every french fry you have ever received in your life has come from me. The french fries that you have right there, I'm the one. It is out of my generosity. When I said, can I have some of your french fries, I was being really generous because they're really my french fries that I've given to you, aren't they? And then, uh, and, and, and you know, I thought of that. I said, I thought, I'm stronger than them and I could right now take away every french fry they have. I mean, I could do, I could do that. But I also thought, you know what I could do? I could, I could inundate them with French fries. I could buy a hundred French large order fries, and they could be buried in French fries, just going, you know, like this, right? And I thought, and and God, God just like tapped me on the shoulder, said, "Now you know what I feel like. Now you know." 
And isn't it the truth? I mean, everything we have, God owns all the French fries. Every French fry we've ever had or every will have, God gave it to us. And all he's saying is, can I have a few French fries back? And it's not because he needs the French fries. It's because of what it does in our heart and the attitude and how it can open up blessings to, uh, to, to us. And it says, into, my, into his house. What is his house? What is he talking about there? Uh, in, in that context, there it was, the, it was the synagogue, the local synagogue or the, or the temple. For us today, it's the local church. And what I mean by that is, is, is this, that, that we give, the, that, we, uh, that we bring the tithe to the local church. We give offerings to any other thing and any other, other worthy cause. Uh, I, I sponsor a compassion child, have for, have for I guess, 40, 40 years of my life. I've, uh, I have also do, um, you know, give to, to missions. I support missionaries uh, monthly around the, around the world. I give to mission trips. I give to worthy causes. I give to, oh no, yesterday, you know, and things, anything that's, that's on there. But my tithe goes to crossroads because that's what God tells me to do, to bring it to his local house. And also because of this, because that's where I'm fed and, and, I, and it would be ridiculous to go to a restaurant, to one restaurant, to, to Mi Pueblo today and eat there and then go to Taco Bell and pay the bill. You don't do that, right? And the same thing. Uh, so, uh, and, and understand this, this whole message was just going to be about generosity, but it was like God absolutely showed me something and said, you can't be generous until you're first faithful. Okay? And what I mean by that, let's go back to a restaurant. Imagine if you were there and you saw the person sitting across from you, they gave the, they gave the waitress an amazing tip. Say the bill was $30 and they gave the, 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 the waitress $24. That's 80% tip. And you're going, man, is that a generous person? Wow, are they generous? That is so sweet. That is so nice, so generous. But then you saw that person walk out without paying their bill. Would you still go, wow, that person is really generous? Or would you say, that person is generous in this way, but they're a thief over, over here? And isn't that weird? Maybe a generous thief maybe is the ultimate oxymoron, right? And things, but a lot of times I think God is saying that if we, were, if we may be generous with everything else, but we're ripping him off in a, in a tithe, maybe we've got, we've got to think about stuff and maybe we can really only first be generous if first we are faithful in what he's already told us to, to do, the one who's given us everything, told us to do. That's the story of Mary. Let's take a look at, an, at, the, at another lady because she gives us something else, another, uh, another incredible quality. And the background is this, that there is a, uh, there's been a three-year drought, which in an agrarian society, that is big time, that is major, that is huge, and it has led to a famine, a famine. And uh, we, we don't understand that word in this, in this country, but a, a famine is not a bear market. It's not a, 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 an economic downturn. It's not a recession, and it's not even a depression. People in a famine dream about being in a depression, because in a depression, at least there's some things going around. It's horrible times, but at least there's some things. In a famine, there's no food, and people are dying around, around you. She's in the middle of of this. And, and what we're about to, I'm going to tell you, we're about to learn is God is bigger than any economy. And God is going to give us some principles that no matter whether it's a, a bull economy or a bear economy, we do this and we're going to be taken care of no matter what the economy because God controls it, it all. And God took care of his, uh, his, his prophet Elijah in two really strange ways. Uh, in, during the middle of this, God will always take care of his people. But in the middle of this, he takes care of it and he says, um, 
that first he he says, go to this brook, particular brook, and I'm going to feed you with ravens. And that's what, so the ravens brought him food. And I hope the ravens, you know, laid it at his feet, not just the regurgitation, you know, thing like this. I'm hoping that wasn't what it is. But the second thing he said, now I want you to go to a widow in a place called Zarephath, uh, an area, and to a widow. I mean, and the widow is going to take care of, uh, of you. So he goes up and he finds this widow and he, he asks her, he said, will you please get me some, some bread and some water? Watch her response. Said this, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour and a jar and a little oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. And her economic situation is about as bleak as you can possibly get. And Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first make a small cake of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. Whoa. I mean, that sounds like a pretty bodacious and bold request. First give it to God. Then, then you go and eat that. Uh, and, and then, but here's the, here's the thing. It's all about the sequence. The sequence here is so amazingly important. Mary, the, the, whole, the thing that we learned about, it's all about her heart. Here, first and foremost, it's about priorities. He is saying, it, it, in fact, what we need to realize is the tithing, not only are we supposed to give 10%, we're supposed to give the first 10% because here's what the Bible says. Again, the first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. Why in the world is so important to bring the first in there? Because sequence is everything. Because what we're really saying is, is, is that God, you're first place in our life. In fact, that's what the Bible says tithing is about. It goes, per, Deuteronomy 14, 23. You wonder why you're supposed to tithe? Here's one big reason. The purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first in your life. We may think, God, you're first in my life. And God says, put your money where your mouth is. Let's see. Every time you get a paycheck, you are telling me who's first in your life. Every time you get something that's a windfall or anything, you're telling me who gets first place in your life. You and I know what sequence is about in, the, in life. We see that. Imagine that you are very, very thirsty. And your friend has your favorite soft drink right in front of you and says, and you say, man, can I have some of that? I'm so thirsty. And they say, yeah, hold on. And they drink. And they drink some more. And they drink some more until there's about that much left at the bottom. Said, so here, you can have the rest. How do you feel? I mean, you feeling, yeah, thanks. Uh, I, don't, I don't like backwash. You know, I'd rather have, no, never mind, I'm thirsty, but nobody's that thirsty, right? But say, but say that same person would give you, say, the very start and said, here, here, you, can, uh, you, take the, you take the first part. How honored do you feel then? How dishonored do you feel here? How honored do you feel there? Maybe that's how God feels when we, if we give him anything, we give him the dregs. We give him the leftovers. We give him the backwash instead of the first. And we can say every time we get a, a paycheck, we're either saying, God, if there's anything left over at the end, I'll give you that. How honored does he feel? He said, you wouldn't treat your governor like that. You wouldn't treat a human like that. And you treat me like that. And then here's the, but, but when we say, God, first of what I get, every time the first of what I get, I'm going to honor you and say, you are first place in my life, and I'm going to put it, I'm going to make sure every day I'm doing a tangible way of saying, you're first place in my, in my life. Um, and then it's all, not only is it about, about priorities, it's also about o- obedience. Uh, Elijah said, this is what you do. And if she did not do that, everything else that's about to happen that could happen would not happen if she was not obedient first. And this is such a huge principle, okay? Huge principle that we need to get this. So many times in Scripture, God has somebody take a step of faith, a step, a physical step of faith before they receive a spiritual or a physical blessing. 
time after time after time in the Bible, take this step, then all, then all heaven breaks loose when they take that step that sometimes may not even seem like it's, may seem crazy, may seem, why am I doing this? May seem whatever, may seem extravagant. But you take this step of faith and watch what, uh, watch what happens. And, and so, um, so and, and I thought of this, it's not just about obedience, it's about gratitude. You know, there's somebody in our, our life that has uh, lent us a, a beach house from, uh, from time to time. And, and on, that, on the, the refrigerator, it says, welcome to the beach house. Welcome. I hope you enjoy this. Have a great time. Have a wonderful time. Please do these things before you leave. Let me ask you, do you think we do those things? Absolutely. I mean, not only do we do what they say, we've gone overboard and done way more than what they, what they, they asked. You know, was it because, oh man, we got it. It's like out of gratitude. Man, they've done this for us. We oh, just a blessing to bless them in some way that they've, they've blessed us. And maybe God is the same way. Maybe what God has said is, here's a life. Here's a life and here's so many blessings. Enjoy this life. There's a few things I want you to do. One of which is I want you to give back the first 10%. Again, it's for you. And it's for this world, and it's for the body of Christ, and it's for the God's kingdom, and it's everybody, it's going to be a win, 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 but I want you to do that. And what do we do? We can either go, man, I just don't want to do, or we can go, God, out of gratitude, absolutely, that's the start. Tithing, that's the start. I just want to be, man, I want my life to glorify you. I want everything, I want my finances to glorify you in every way. That's the start. God, just out of gratitude, everything I have is yours. So God, ask for whatever you want, put it in my heart, whatever it is. It's where it starts, right, uh, right there. It's also, in, in you know, somebody, um, uh, several people told me something I said several years ago, and they brought it up in the last, in the last few months and said, this is the thing that, that, that whatever it is, this story made them say, okay, from now on, I'm tithing in my life. And it was some, some simple thing that I said this, and it was, you know, if we, we go to a restaurant and we will give 15% minimum of 15%, hopefully 20%, you know, to a waitress who has waited on us for just a few minutes in gratitude to what she's done. And then we hesitate to give God 10% of the one who's given us everything we ever have and everything we ever will will, that every blessing in our life comes from him. And that just doesn't make sense. It's all about trust as, as well. Why do you think maybe one of the biggest reasons we, you know, for anybody that hesitates to tithe, it's a, a lot of times it's fear, isn't it? I mean, it can be just because, but that's a big one. And why do you think the, the, the uh, Elijah says, uh, said that, said the first thing he said is don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And tithing, I think, is really a lot like farming. Farming takes guts. It takes courage. It takes trust. And it's saying, I've got these seeds in my hand right now, but somehow I believe and trust that if I plant these, if I, if I invest those in, in, in this soil, then I'm going to receive a harvest back more than what I, what I gave. And really, that's what this lady is, is doing. She either, she goes, I've got this flower in my hand right now, tangible, but I can either keep it for myself or I can trust that what the Word of God says is true, and I'm going to believe that I'm going to be taken care of, and I'm going to be blessed as a, as a result of that. And there is so much promised blessing as we get for tithing. Listen to this. I mean, for this is what the Lord of Israel says. The jar of, of flour will not be used up, and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day of the Lord gives rain on the land. In other words, he didn't say just do this. He said, if you do this, you're going to be so blessed. You're going to be, not only are you going to be taken care of, you're going to be over and abundantly uh, blessed. And that's a straight a biblical principle with tithing. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. 
And here's what's going to happen. If we do that, if we honor the Lord with the first fruits, then your barns will be filled with overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. I will provide and I will bless if you put me first. Again, Malachi 3. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there will be food enough in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing on you so much that you won't even have room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. The only time God says to put him to the test. Every other time, putting God to the test is a sign of, of, of lack of faith. Here it's a sign of faith. Saying, you give me, a, I double dog dare you to, uh, to do this. Your crops will be abundant for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before you, they are ripe, says the Lord of the heaven armies. And you know, uh, in, the, in the Midwest where I, can't, I come from, there's, you know, there's farms out there and there's irrigation ditches, big irrigation ditches that go out into the, uh, in, into the farmland. And then there's, there's other ditches, smaller ditches that farmers have that go out into their, into their property. And the per- so there's all this water that's flowing down there and they can either, they can either keep the, the gate down or they can open the gate. If they keep the gate down, their, their crops are not going to have any water. If they open the gates, the water is going to go to their, theirs as well. And I really believe that this is the, one of the principles that God is saying, when you tithe, you're opening up the gate. You're opening up a gate for God's blessing. And, and the water's there. It's there. The provision is there. But one thing he wants us to do is he wants to get in, uh, us to get in his flow and do it the way he, uh, he wants us to do it. You want breakthrough in finances? It starts with, going into, with opening up the gate the way God says to, to do. And I want to be honest with you, okay? Uh, I have received mega dozens, if not hundreds of, of things where people come up and said, when we started Tithe, it was a breakthrough in our life. It, and, and I'm not talking just finance. I'm talking the joy, the, the peace, the, uh, the, the favor of God, the, the whatever it is. It just seems like it opens up something. But also, most people receive a material blessing because they, you can't outgive God. That's not the reason a lot of people do it, but that's the reason you can't outgive God. It's, a, it's a, a principle. And I've had a few people, and I probably, I think I could put them on one hand that said, you know what, we did that, and we didn't receive the, the blessing uh, that you were, that we're talking about. Hundreds over here, and probably that, but I say to even these people over here, if that's ever been your experience, it's still what we're supposed to do. We do it out of obedience. We do it out of gratitude. We do it out of, you know, out of, out of love for, for God because he tells us to do it. And so many times there's things that God tells us to do we may not see right away. And we may see later on, I believe in prayer. Not all of my prayers are answered right away. Some of my prayers aren't answered for years in that. But I still believe in the principle of prayer so much and I know that things won't happen unless I pray. And I know that sometimes the blessing may not come right away when I, when I do that, but I know you can't outgive God. And so as we do this. Uh, and so, um, so and, and something else there too, is she has a decision. The widow has a decision to, to make, and, and she, it's, it's this. Uh, am I going to put God first, or am I going to put me first? Am I going to obey? Am I not going to obey? Am I going to trust God, or am I going to trust in my resources? And I guarantee you that she went through the same question that you and I do if we, if, if for anybody here that struggles with, with tithing. If I do that, what's going to happen to me? What's going to happen to me in, in this? And so, um, it, because here's the, here's the quest, I mean, the, the lie that Satan gives. And tell me if he hasn't done this to, to us, if, especially if you're struggling with this. If I withhold from God and give to myself, I'll put myself in a better financial situation. Isn't that a lie that you've heard? And think of this. Is that true? Is that true in her life? If she would have just trusted in her that if she would have withheld from God that she would have put herself in a better financial situation, if she would have held from God, how long would she have lived? 
Maybe days, maybe a, you know, maybe a couple weeks, if you know, as as, as starving. But but when she went with, did put it with with God, she trusted in that. She put herself in much better, even financial situation, material situation, because she trusted in uh, in in God. And there's a parable. I mean, a, a a parallel thing in the New Testament. There was this boy that that he you know. There's five thousand people. I mean, five thousand men. That's probably fifteen to twenty thousand people, including the women and children. And and there's no food. And the disciples, they're at a loss, and, and Jesus said, what do you have? And he said, this little boy has five loaves and two fish. And Jesus said, please give it to me. And again, can you imagine being this little boy? What's the thought in your head? What's, okay, if I give that to you, what am I going to eat, right? What am I going to eat? But the weird thing is so, but amazingly, this, this boy gives it to, to Jesus. And watch what happens. We have a record of what takes place. Here it is. Mark 6, 41. And the little boy who trusted in God died of starvation in the wilderness. No, that's not what it says, is it? It says, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks, that's talking about Jesus, and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to set them before the people. He also divided the two fish among them. They all ate and were satisfied. How many believe that all meant that little boy as well? And I don't know about you, but if I'm the disciples and I see 12 baskets left over, I'm giving it to that little boy, right? And so not only is he taken care of, but I believe he is overabundantly taken care of in just a, a, a beautiful, beautiful way. The other lie is, is this, that we can do more with 100% than God can do with 90%. And let's see if that's true. Let's go back to the, the story of the loaves and fish. The Bible says that the disciples got together and said, if we pooled all our money, all the resources we own in this world, we wouldn't have enough food to give everybody uh, one bite. But then think of it, with one loaf, with five loaves and two fish... Jesus was able to do, feed 20,000 with, uh, with food left over. In other words, God can do more with a sack of lunch than we can do with 100% of our resources if it's given to him, if it's in his hands. And many of us have swallowed this lie that we believe that we are better off if we, are, if we withhold from God and we keep it for ourselves. But in reality, think of this. What we're doing is when we give to God, we are partnering with the king of the universe. We are partnering with the one who owns the, the cattle on a thousand hills, who owns the bakery, right? Who owns everything. We're the ones that we, we're, we partner with him. And if we don't do that, if we're not doing it his way, we are, dis, we are getting out of partnership with the one that's bigger than any economy, the one that can take care of us and the one that owns everything. Thing. One of them sure sounds like a whole lot smarter situation. It is genius to be generous. It is genius to, to tithe as, uh, as, as well. And the result of the blessing and the, and the impact. First, um, she went away. It says this. She went away and did as Elijah told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. She found out you can't give, out give God and she can't found out that God owned the bakery. And even though it didn't make a lick of sense for her to do that, you partner with God and watch what happens. There's an, there's, he, owned, he, can, he can make things out of, out of nothing. And, um, and God t- accomplished many things through this partnership, didn't he? He took care of the prophet. He took care of the, uh, the, the widow and her, and her boy. Again, it's a win-win situation. And again, what do you think happened to the heart of God when she, uh, when she did that? And the impact. This one blesses me. Think of this. From that moment on, anytime Elijah did anything, every miracle he did, every life that he touched, she had an investment in that. She had an investment. She had a part in that. I mean, he saw, she saw him doing something. She'd go, you know what? I have an investment in that. 
I, I, I help make that, make that happen. Same with the little boy. Can you imagine as he's looking, as he's given that, and he's looking at 20,000 people being fed because of his generosity? I bet you that was the highlight of his entire life, that there was something that he goes, man, I was part of something so special. And, and every time, I want you to know, every time you tithe, every time you give, you're part of something that everything that ever happens in and through this church, you're a part of that. Every testimony that is, that is shared up there, you have, a, you have an investment in that. Every soul that comes to faith in Jesus Christ here and around the world, you have a part of that. Every person that is hearing this message around the world right now, you have an investment in that. Every, every marriage that has been healed, every life, a person that, every child that is being taught to love Jesus Christ, every youth that is, that is becoming passionate about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, you have an investment in that. And I don't know about you, I love to hear testimonies. I love to hear testimonies, but especially hear, I love to hear the ones that I had a part in some way, somehow, that either you, God used my voice or God used my resources, God used something, because there's something that is just so satisfying. Goes, That's why I was born. That's why I was born, to make an investment in the things that are that are eternal. And that, amen. And let's bring this to reality where you and I live today. She had a chance. It came down to priority, obedience, and trust for the widow. What does it come to, uh, and heart, what does it come to us? Heart, priority, obedience, and trust. That's why this is so important to, to God. And that's why this is so important to us because something happens in our faith when we, when we do this. Um, you know, I, there's, when I was a, a little kid, I remember being on a tricycle and seeing somebody that was, that was riding on a bike with training wheels. And I thought, wow, man, someday maybe I could do that. It seems so big and it seems so incredible that, that somebody could be that big to ride with training wheels. Uh, and then, you know, I got to training wheels and then I got to ride a bike and I'm going, I was, I was afraid of training wheels, you know? I was, that just seems so, and I'm telling you, I guarantee you, you start tithing, and it may, for those of you that have never taken that step, it seems like a big step. You'll look back someday, and the people, I'm telling you, I can always tell who's tithing in this room, because they're just smiling and going like this, and it's like, yeah, tell it, tell it. I am, I, I, I'm, I am thanked more for teaching on tithing than anything else I teach on. And I know I'm not afraid to do that. I love teaching on this because I know the impact that it knows, not only financially, but also just in a person's heart that it changes that. And all of a sudden, you will look back and you'll go, I was worried about that. It takes you to a different relationship with, uh, with God. And I've never said this before. I've never thought this before. It's never entered my mind before. But yesterday, last night, I was praying for this service. And I was down on my knees by my bed. And I felt like God saying this. I may be wrong, but I felt like God saying this. 40 people here that are going to hear this today here and around the world and I bet there's a whole lot more than that but I heard the word 40 and maybe that's God just being symbolic because the word 40 is a, is a perfect number but, but it's, it's saying that there's 40 people that have never tied before and God is saying I double dog dare you I dare you to step across the line. I dare you to do that. I challenge you to do that because what I'm asking you to do is I'm asking you to do that so I can bless you. So you can open up that channel of blessing in your life. So, you, so your priorities can be straight. So everything else, that I challenge you to do that. Maybe you're one of those 40 people that right now God is putting something in your heart and going, I'm doing it. 
for this time, I'm not doing it anymore. I'm not ripping God off anymore. I'm getting in his channel of blessing. And maybe you're one of those 40 people. Maybe you're listening right now. And I don't care if you're six years old. I don't care if you're a college student. Man, the sooner you learn this, this principle, the better. This is something we taught to our kids from the time they were little kids. Why? Because I wanted my kids to obey God. I wanted my kids to have, have, have God's kingdom as their priority in their life. I wanted my, their heart to, to, to be there. I, I want them to receive the, the blessing of whatever that is, material, spiritual blessing that, that God has. And I really believe that, that I heard, again, 70 people, and again, that may just be a symbolic number, but 70 people that you used to tithe, or you, you know the principle, and you know it's true, and it's something bad, but you've gone away from that, and you've stopped doing it, and maybe just got out of a habit of doing something you know you ought to do, and God's saying, re-up, you know? Get back into this channel of blessing. Get that back in this channel of obedience, and watch what happens uh, in in your life. and And you won't feel the you won't feel the guilt. You'll feel the blessing as we do that. And uh, and so, if we could bow our head and close our eyes, and just seek your heart. And you know, God, if if you're one of those forty, it's just feeling the prompting of God. I challenge you. I encourage you, as your pastor, if if I knew this was blessing, why would I not want to share this with you? And I, if there's a way of forcing you to do it, I'd do it because I know the difference. And I know, uh, I, I, you know, I said, I say this to my friends. I say this to anything that's, that I know is not doing this. That we, I don't gain anything from this. I know the principle works. And so, I'm, I, so maybe you're one of those 40 that are saying, today's the day. Today's the day we're stepping across the line. Today's the day I'm stepping across the line. And from now on in my life, I'm going to give you the first 10%, God, because you're worthy of it. All the French fries belong to you. And I'm going to be, uh, and of love and gratitude, I'm going to do what you say to, to do. And maybe you're the, the 70, one of those 70, and you're saying, you know, I just got out of the habit or just it's not been a big thing on my life and I know it should be and thank you for reminding me and I'm stepping back into that, uh, that channel of, uh, of blessing and the channel of ob- obedience. And maybe you're here and you've, man, this is just reinforcing what you do faithfully every, uh, every, every week, every paycheck. And I just want to say God bless you because, uh, because uh, just we couldn't do what we, what we do without, without that faithfulness of, uh, of there. So God, wherever people are, wherever I am right now, Lord God, I pray you take us to another level. I pray that we are people of obedience. I thank you. This is an amazingly generous church. And God, I pray that you are not only amazingly generous, help us to be amazingly faithful, not just in our finances, but in every area of our life. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said, amen. Amen.